Boy, it got quieter in the hall after I said good morning. Ed Church, why don't you pray for our Sunday school lesson? And I am on. You just told me I was weird on a broadcast? <laughs> yes. I normally hear I'm weird when I tell jokes on Wednesday nights. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27. We're going to be starting there and we'll be doing primarily, most of our time will be in Genesis 28, and the memory verse for this week should be easy compared to other weeks, because this is a verse you should have memorized from before. For there is what? One God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So if you haven't heard that verse, now you have. And what we have here is we find in Genesis 27, and it says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, the wet thy weapons and thy quiver and thy bow and go out into the field and take me some venison, and make me some savory meat. See, I love that. Okay? How many of you guys like to hunt? See, there's nothing wrong with rise, Peter, kill, and eat. That's not in the lessons. It's just for me. Okay? And make me some savory meat as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And you know the rest of the story there is Rebecca hears, and she's in competition, so she wants Jacob to get the blessing. Okay, and so Jacob, even though I find this interesting, you know, there's... Rebecca comes up with a plan to deceive her husband. She and Jacob pretend to be Esau. He puts on goat skin. I don't understand. You know, he, Isaac must be getting really old because I'm telling you, there's a much different smell between a sweaty hunter and a goat. Now, it's not the same. And I don't care what uh, Becca Ford says about Bo. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, this is a, I'm a different teacher, so you're going to pay for that, okay? Or I'm going to pay for that. Esau found out he hated it even more. You know, when he's talking about Jacob's name means supplanter. He's always trying to get something that's what? Not his. You ever meet somebody that way? There's people who want God to give them glory that God doesn't want to give it to them. 
they get jealous of someone else. When I was the senior pastor, I had people that I won't give any, got jealous because they thought I was giving preferential treatment to another person. And unto whom much is given, much is required. And you know, one of the, the basic principles of the Christian life is don't worry about someone else. Okay, keep your account short with God. All right, and I'm just saying this, don't be a supplanter. Don't be trying to steal someone else's glory. Don't be jealous, okay, because the Bible says who can stand before envy. And I find it interesting that I don't know if Jacob would have done this by himself, but his mother came up with the idea. And even I had Derek last night, we were watching some crazy thing, um, The Flash early on, okay, okay. And I go, and there was this scene where the woman was in love with a guy who had been turned into something else, you know, and, and they, by science, they were able to change him back. And the girl was paying attention to him, and I said, Derek, see how she's done this? She's manipulated this thing for the, his attention and this and that. And he goes, I know, Papa, I know. Men are simple, women are complicated. So I know he's listening. Didn't say simple-minded. I said simple. Women are so relationship-oriented, and Rebecca's worried that her son's not going to get what's coming to him. Now, for the sake of time, we won't turn there, but I find it's interesting is that when they were in the womb, got to remember, because Esau was Isaac's favorite, and Jacob was Rebekah's favorite. Esau came out first, so he was, whatever, seconds or minutes older. You can go back and read it. The prophecy given to them before the birth was that the younger will rule over the elder. God had already said what was going to happen. So now what do you have? Jacob had already stolen his Esau's birthright, right? He, Esau, you had a lesson that probably was talked about the fact that he cared so little about the long view that he traded everything away for the immediate. Be very careful. You'll get caught reacting in the immediate circumstances and not seeing things as God does, because God's never in a hurry. But you know what? God's will comes out in the end, doesn't it? So in the meantime, Jacob did things. He stole the birthright. He bargained for it. Now, that was bad on Jacob's part, but it just shows you that Esau was very, very fleshly. And the carnal life will get you caught up in decisions, won't it? And you need to be careful with that. So now we turn around and we get to a later point in their life. Isaac is about ready to die. He wants something that good that he can eat and to taste. And he's got a blessing coming for Esau. Rebekah hears it. And not only does Jacob have the birthright, now he's stealing the what? The blessing. And I only say this for this purpose. I don't care if it's mother, father, wife, or husband. You don't go against 
God's will and God's word because someone is trying to encourage you to do so. You won't stand before God for what the other person does. You will stand before God for what you do. And as a saved person, and I'm, I'm making assumption maybe I shouldn't, that everyone who comes to the adult Sunday school class is saved. If you're not, you're going to split hell wide open. You're already dead in your trespass and sin. You need to get saved. But if you're saved, you're expected to live according to God's word. I don't care if you don't like it or not. When it says, obey them that have rule over you, you answer to God for that, not to the person. I don't like a lot of the rules that sometimes the police or the government put upon me. It doesn't alleviate me from the fact that I need to keep them. Understood? I don't care who tells you not to. And you need to understand those rules there, and that just shows how many of us, we break God's law and we sin every day. As far as if we are to keep all the laws of man, I sin every day. If you say you don't, then you just probably sinned. Because God's going to judge you on every thought, every word, and every action. And we're accountable for that. And here we have Jacob. He's a supplanter. He's trying to steal it. And it makes Esau so angry he wants to kill his brother. I don't understand something. You're the hot, these hot-blooded... Middle Eastern people, okay? We talk about this being an Ishmael and how they want to kill each other, but these are brothers. What happened to Jacob's children when he was Israel? What did they want to do to Joseph? I mean, I think families need to be ruled by their parents who are ruled by God so that they can keep their children in line. Because it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will what? Not depart from it. And so there's a need there. So he found out, and he's ready to kill him. Isaac, you know, sent Jacob off to marry one of Laban's daughters. And Laban is a brother or a relationship to who? Abraham. Okay, that's who Abraham left in the earth of the Chaldees. And came, and the mistake Abraham made is he brought just Lot, who vexed his righteous soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked along with him. Okay? And so he goes, and he didn't, so he didn't want Jacob to marry a Canaanite, so Jacob went off. You find this in chapter 27, and he's starting to do this, and, and Esau to get back at his parents because he's blaming them instead of taking account for what's going on in his life says, I'm going to displease them on purpose. They don't want him to marry a Canaanite? Well, I'll go out and get me one. You ever heard somebody say, you do what? You cut off your nose to spite your face? I want you to see there's nothing new under the sun. Did it continue to cost Esau? Yes. 
So I'm trying to say, you know, I find out with people, Pastor Caleb and I were meeting people this week, and it's getting them to apply. All of a sudden, you know, it's like we're dealing with somebody, and it's an amazing revelation when we give them Scripture and show them how it applies to them. Because we're reading this account. Okay? How many of you, without thinking, have cut off your nose to spite your face? Right? And never even thought? Did you find it in the very first book of the Bible? In the early relationships of the Bible? When I tell somebody, this book tells you, because you've got to remember, the author of this book is the author of life. You want to know how to live your life? Talk to the author of the book who tells you what life is. It'll save you a lot of problems. You won't end up cutting off your nose to spite your face as often. So we have this, and it's taking place. And you see, now we're, we're coming into Genesis 28. Because Jacob's running. He's got to get away. And he's told here in chapter 28, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Can you think of a New Testament verse about relationships to bring happiness or to bring peace into a believer's life? Be ye not unequally yoked. With unbelievers, with non-believers. For what hast Christ with Belial? Right? What hath he that believeth with an infidel? I heard a preacher make a comment that I'm going, you got to be kidding me. He said, I recommend many times that a guy goes out and finds himself an unsaved girl because then if he, he can lead her to the Lord and then he can, she'll be so thankful for him in her life that he can rule his home. Be not unequally yoked. I understand, neither, when I got married, neither my wife or I were saved. I was really really spiritual. I was a good Roman Catholic. I told my wife, if you gain more than 25 pounds and you're not pregnant, I'll divorce you. I know that in me, that in my flesh dwelleth what? No good thing. And Judy came from an abusive alcoholic home, and her attitude was, if you ever lay a hand on me, you're gone. And she didn't necessarily mean divorcing me. She meant six feet under. God showed mercy and we got saved. Amen? But when a person is saved, they shouldn't look in the market of the unsaved. Yeah, but, but what if God doesn't bring me a wife? So many times people come into marriages, they're not ready to learn that they, they shouldn't be looking for what they get out of a marriage. They should be looking what they can give in the marriage. 
Right? And so <laughs> there's a reason to do it God's way. And so many people don't, and they struggle. If, you know, but if you're unequally yoked, you're, you get saved, and your wife doesn't get saved, you please God first, and then you pray, and you pray, and you pray for your wife. If you have an unsaved husband, you please God first. We have people in the church who are doing that now. And it's tough, and it's hard. And sometimes some Good godly Christians are trying to look down on somebody who struggles in that way. And to that I say, as I say many times, on nuts. You need to support them. You need to encourage them. Help them to know that they're not second class citizens. I had an evangelist tell me, and I thought, okay, I'll just put this in a box for you. I had an evangelist tell me while I was in the pastorate that if a person had an, was married to an unsafe person, that they should never serve in the church. You know what my response was? Lots. Chapter and verse. Okay. Now, that safe person is supposed to dwell with the unsafe person because they're sanctified. They get some blessing. Unsafe people get blessing from Christians all the time. But so many times it happens because two unsafe people come together, one gets saved. But when a young person purposely, because they're backslidden, gets into that relationship, I'm telling you, it costs them many, many times. Okay? And it ended up being problems. You know, because... God had already promised the blessing. It got manipulated unto Jacob. Now Jacob has to run for his life because if you read chapter 28, Esau's going to kill him. And he's running. Now, there's a problem with the scheming and the lying. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man, what? Fail of the grace of God. Doesn't mean that they're not saved. They failed of the grace of God. It's not working in their lives because of what? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You say, why are you saying that in the case? Because you've got to remember, Esau got bitter. He's going to kill his brother. Look at the next verse. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. The words they're using as who? Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears. I've never understood why people hold grudges. If you're going to be right with God and you have a grudge, you're not right with God. 
in counseling somebody, I talked to them about an unhealthy soul tie and how that they needed to understand that because they allowed that in their life, even though they didn't realize, they had a sinful participation in an unhealthy soul tie. When they let someone influence them, a soul tie is a relationship, okay? Like between God and Adam, between Adam and Eve. They were healthy until the serpent tempted Eve, and then it become unhealthy. And Eve's undue influence caused Adam to what? To sin. All right? I'm talking to somebody in an unhealthy soul tie, and they said, well, how do I break that? And I said, one, confess that you, you have sin involved in that, because you continued to allow it to happen. I think if women would learn that, they wouldn't get beat as often by unsaved husbands, because the husbands belong in jail. Don't participate in it. All right? To allow it to happen is sin. If you got sin, what do you do with it? You want God to, to bless you? Confess, your, confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Esau let the thing continue. He gave up his, his birthright. He, gets, he set himself up. He gets his blessing stolen. And he's going to kill his brother. His brother runs. You confess your participation in that unhealthy soul tie. Then you deal with the person who has done it to you. And you forgive them. I can't forgive them. Or I'll forgive them, but I won't forget it. Then you haven't forgiven when you choose to dwell on it. How do I ever get that out of my mind? Every time it comes up, you confess to the Lord. He's forgiven you, and you ask him to give you that forgiving heart. Because unforgiveness is one of the tools of Satan to rob blessing from people. We've all been offended, right? When you hang on to the offense, you end up like Esau. He's called here a fornicator and a profane person. In Hebrews, you need to confess that and then forgive the other person. You're not responsible whether they receive the forgiveness or not. You're not responsible whether they acknowledge the sin or not. You're responsible for what? Your part in it. If the other person doesn't acknowledge the sin that they have and what they're doing, and sometimes you have to break that relationship. Now, it can get really complicated, can it? But you need to understand that's the only way there can be health in that situation. There has to be a heart of forgiveness. Because otherwise, a root of bitterness springs up and what? And thereby many be defiled. So we have this. Jacob has to run. And he's running because Jacob sinned. What did he do? How did Jacob sin? He was a supplanter. Well, it's just a little lie. One lie condemns a person to hell for all eternity until they come to Christ. How many times you got to tell a lie to be a liar? How many times you got to take something that's not yours to be a thief? 
Jake is a supplanter. He runs. You know what it'll do? It'll cause you to go in a way you don't want to go. It will take you to a place you don't want to go. It will cost you more than you want to pay, and it'll leave you where you don't want to stay. That's what happened to Jacob. Now, did God use it? Got to remember, he was chosen. You know, in Christ Jesus, I'm not a Calvinist, but in Christ Jesus, I was chosen before the foundation of the world. That's not Calvinism. When did it become something real to me? When I got in Christ Jesus. Jacob heads out of the will of God and into the deceiving hands of Laban. (laughs) Whatsoever a man sows, You know what the problem with sowing is? You sow a seed, you reap a crop. You sow something, and sometimes you think it's small, and you can reap so much more. If you sow a little sin, that's an attitude, because sin is sin. There's no little sin. But you sow something you think is little, and many times you reap a, a greater sin. And so you find he's now going into the hands of Laban. And he's not waiting on God. And that'll always take you in the wrong direction. You get in a hurry. You gotta do something. Well, I've just I've gotta do something. Finish this for me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their they shall mount up with they shall run and not be they shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, on the Lord. <laughs> That's the hardest thing to do. That's why kids struggle so much, because they don't have any life experience. Do you realize if you're 40 years old, the difference, and you know, sometimes you expect your kids to act like a 40-year-old? And their attention span. You know what the attention span of a 5-year-old is? <laughs> it's less than a minute. You know what the attention span of a teenager is? It starts improving, 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 improving until testosterone and and, um, estrogen comes into play and then they lose about six years of their life to that same attention span. Okay, and you expect them to be like adults. They aren't. Well, you have, that's why you train them and you keep them from the problems they're going to get into. It's much easier for me to wait on things than it was when I was younger. I'm not, I'm not, you, I don't this offend you. I don't care. I was smarter than most people. I was stronger than most people. I could bring my will about. I didn't want to wait. Then I got saved. And God says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in I'd rather glory in my infirmities for when I am weak than I am. You getting the picture? So Jacob, 
has to run. It takes him where he doesn't want to be. And it brings us to Genesis 28. Look at verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and towards Haran. Haran. See, he ran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in the place to sleep. And he, yeah, that's why people today think they have it so much harder in Bible times. How many of you go out and you grab a rock to go lay down with? Oh, my bed. My bed's too hard. My bed's too soft. My bed's just right. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up upon the earth and the top of it reached up to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. You know what he does? He has a dream. Before the canon was finished, God spoke to people through the tradition handed down in dreams and visions. Today, he speaks through his son who's given you his Word. That's why the word is so important. And it's absolute. So what did he do? He falls asleep. He has a dream. And that was normal back then. God spoke to Jacob in the midst of his running and scheming. Did Jacob deserve to hear from God? How many times I've said, but for the grace of God, there go I and I need to be careful. I judge somebody else. You know, sometimes God's dealt with me or is dealing with me when I don't deserve to be dealt with. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. If you don't know where that is, I'll tell you it's in the book of Proverbs or ask Pastor Kinney. God spoke to him because of his grace. Jacob's dream was of a ladder that went from earth to heaven, angels going up and down on it, the Lord standing above it. That dream's symbolic in so many ways. Look at, first, or look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now you've got Jacob's ladder, right? Now go to verse 51 of John chapter 1. You ready? Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and what? 
Angels of God ascending and descending upon who? Son of man. A ladder. The way to get up. 1 Timothy 2, 5. Your memory verse, you shouldn't have to look it up, for there is one God and one, one ladder, one meteor between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Okay. Now you also ought to know, if you're ever trying to lead someone to the Lord, you should memorize John chapter 14 and verse 6. For Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto Father but by me. You get the picture? The grace of God being bestowed upon Jacob, he didn't deserve it. And he had a vision of this taking place. You know why that's important? Because... Before this, in the ancestry of Jacob's family, was another hunter named Nimrod. And he was the ruler over Babel, Babylon. And what did they try to build? their own way to heaven. Can't do it. Can't do it. There's a picture here taking place for Jacob, and you can see him seeing that heaven being opened, and God spoke to him in a dream, and he made the plan of God clear. Look at, let's go back to our text, Genesis 28, and verse 15. And behold, what? God is telling him, I am with thee. You know what God's telling you this morning, believer? He's with you. Doesn't mean he'll keep you from things. Was he with Daniel in the lion's den? Was he with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you teach the kids that? Why? Because it doesn't mean that God will keep you from the troubles of life. It means that God will what? Be with you through them. He said he had God's presence, the promise of God's presence. I am with thee. It doesn't stop there. And will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. Isn't that interesting? I will keep thee, God's protection. You know, we get in trouble when we run away from God's protection. There's times that's happened in my life and God still kept me from, gee, I sound like my grandson, Derek. Puberty's hitting him hard, my voice just cracked. You get old enough, starts going the other way. You guys won't know what to do if, another, if the Lord tarries and I'm teaching Sunday school in 10 years and I sound like a soprano, that'll be really funny looking, won't it? I will keep thee. 
Isn't that neat? I will keep thee. God gave him a promise. Now you ready? Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the what? The immutability, that's a big word, isn't it? Of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two, that same word in a different form, immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Immutable. Unchanging. You have an unchanging God. And his promises are immutable. When you look at them, some are just straightforward promises. There's no attachments to it. Other promises are, if you do this, God says, I will do that. But it's immutable. When God gives you his word... It's not changing. Jacob had God's promise. Look at our verse. I will not what? I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. He hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of. All those that come unto me I will in no wise I don't know where people think they can lose their salvation. It just doesn't measure up with Scripture. You take one out of context, but Scripture with Scripture with Scripture, I'm a child of God. I'm born into his family, and that's immutable. It's not changing. He's given the promise. God reaffirmed the Abrahamic covenant. He told him he's going to be a blessing, and he's going to have his family grow, and they're going to be a blessing to all the world. He would multiply his family, and through the that the families of the earth would be blessed. Jacob now knew the promises given to his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac were now his. When I see young people start going off the road trying to take a different path so many times, you know why it happens? Because grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, haven't rehearsed before them the truth of what God has done for them. You understand? We get lazy. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you, if you have children, have devotions each day with your children? You leave it up to them to do their own devotions? We've already decided they have an attention span of what? A newt. Train up a child in the way he should go. And you know who God holds most accountable for that? Gentlemen? Us. Don't like that? Oh, nuts. You want to be right with God? Don't leave it up to the wife to do all the training. Lead your home. Jacob finally knew he'd heard the promises. And now he was able to do what? Understand that they were for him. You know what your child goes through? They go from living underneath your grace, living under your blessing. 
And so many times they have to get to a place where they can make their father's God their God. We live in a day where so many people come out of such abuse that their ideal of who God is is skewed because their father either was abusive or non-participating. And that's not in the notes. That's from me. He knew that the blessings were coming. Verse 16 of Genesis 28. And Jacob awaked out of the sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Gee, isn't Jesus, didn't Jesus say, I am the door of the sheep? And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. He's anointing the pillar. And he called the name of that place, what? Bethel. But the name of that city was Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. In all that thou hast given me, I will surely give thee a tenth. In other words, he set up a landmark in his family. He realized it was a wake-up call. So often we get caught in our problems, don't we? He was caught running, and God got to give us a wake-up call. We lose sight of God's presence. That's when you need the promises of God's word. Romans chapter 8. Verse 38, I want to ask you, this is the Apostle Paul's testimony. For I am what? Verse 38, persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, our Lord. Are you persuaded? Before I said it much at the church, I raised my family with this idea that God is always good and God is always right. He doesn't make mistakes. I just don't understand sometimes. So if you stay with the premise that God is always good and God is always right, when you're going through something, you need to know that God's going to go through it with you and he'll bring you out the other side. Because he's always good and he's always right. He's using it in your life to chasten you or he's using it in your life to prepare you. How many of you gone through something that you seemed was catastrophic and you realized it didn't measure up to anything like something that you faced a little later on? God was helping you, preparing you for it. There was a reality Jacob didn't want to forget. He piled up the stones and he made a pillar there. He set a landmark. He marked it. And he anointed it with oil and marked it as holy. He called the place Bethel, which means house of God. Isn't it interesting? 
that if you're here saved today, you know who you are? You know what you are? You're the house of God. Know ye not that you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are his? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? See, you're the house of God, the dwelling place of God. It's supposed to be anointed and special. It's supposed to be a landmark for others to see when a testimony can be given. Is it? Jacob committed himself to the Lord and accepted God's plan. Now, did he always do that? No. But he continued on. Just, you know, I've watched sometimes people, they, they, they get caught, they fail God, and you know what they do? Then they give up and don't understand one of the greatest attributes of God is his mercy, his forgiveness. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath what? Forgiving you. So Jacob decided to give 10% of all the Lord would give him. You find that? Okay. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Will a man rob God? How do you say we've robbed God? By your tithes. Your 10% in your offering. It's before the law. It's during the law. It's after the law. Because it talks about an offering in the New Testament. And there's no offering given until it's above the tithe. And that's just as a preacher who's always trying to steal your money. That's what people think. We don't preach about it all the time. I tell people, you can't afford to tithe. I can't afford not to tithe. God's blessing will be there. Because he says in Malachi 3, verse 8, Try me and see if I'll not open a window of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Amen? And I want to say with that, what you believe about the Lord your God and what landmarks you've set up will affect what you give. That's all seen in the story of someone chosen of God and running from him, who supplanted. He wasn't called Israel yet, was he? You know something? I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not quite yet what I will be. We can learn. What sort of things are written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Larry, close us in a word of prayer.